This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to your Making It Worse. I'm Elliot Glazer. I'm Brent Sullivan. And I'm H. Allen Scott. We're here. We're queer. Uh. Meh. Textual healing. So there was a, a feature in the New York Times about a question that we've um, talked about before, but it was just more of a deep dive into the idea of celebrity queer baiting. And we've talked about that with um, like people like Nick Jonas and uh, uh, Harry Styles and even Rita Ora. I was just thinking about that because of listening to Who Weekly. But um, yeah, they wrote this whole piece about about queer baiting and asking if it really is as bad as we think it is based on the idea that there still is, uh, uh, you know, the, the that rep- like representation is still representation in the conversation of just talking about somebody being... Um, you know, baiting gay people. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they they talk about James Franco and uh, Bad Bunny, Harry Styles, Timothy Chalamet, Charlie Puth, who I love, but like all these people are very like sexually furred in their social media and, and, and their performances in a way that is often seen as being queer baiting. I still don't know Bad Bunny. Like I've seen the name a bunch the last <laughs> like three months. I don't know who that is. And I was surprised because I feel like the Latin he's like hip hop, right? The Latin rapper, yeah. He's, I was su- he's I'm like, surprised <clears throat> to see him on this list. Is he in his real oh, persona? Like, yes, he like, yeah, he does a lot of like. Uh, he, I think he kissed a guy on stage, and yeah, he often. I don't think he's bi. He's just very f- acts fluid in a, in a way, and is very. The drag in that music video. He <clears throat> often doesn't wear underwear when he performs, and so when the lights uh-huh. come on, you see everything. It's there's the yeah. there's sort of like a queer sensibility to him that he sort of peppers around in certain things, and he he doesn't commit to anything. I don't think he's even ever said he's straight, but he kind of does. He's kind of just open in that way. Pan, I guess. Mm. Where's he? Is he is he from the states? Oh, I don't know where he's I from. Think he's Mexican, Mexican American. Uh, Maybe oh, I'm not. Sure. How dare you say that? <laughs> no, I mean, no, I, 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 this is a really interesting. He's Puerto Rican, excuse me. Um, he uh, and he's Puerto Rican rapper, and he's very hot. Um, he's but, very, very hot. Yeah, he's very attractive. That little hair that comes down at the mouth. Um, but 
I used, you know, I have to say, I'm kind of changing in a way my thoughts on this. So, like, for years, I remember years ago, I think Harry Styles, there was some magazine cover that he was like in a dress or being he wore a dress. Yeah. And yeah. It, it didn't bother me that he was in a dress, but it bothered me that, that I felt like this was an intentional effort. And, and sort of Nick Jonas had a similar thing intentional effort yeah. to sort of like queer bait queer audiences to uh, boost ticket sales and attention online, social media, et cetera. And I think that is still true. I think a lot of these artists do do that. But I'm finding in my regular life with some straight men, especially straight men who are like in creative spaces and different things, that there is sort of like a something happening with masculinity of straight men that if they are in circles that are more fluid, creative, mixed, not just straight dudes, basically, that they are more open to the idea of sort of a, a, a same-sex flirtatious, sort of a teasing back and forth of like, a, this is okay with me, this banter's okay with me, this conversation's okay. Mm -hmm. Not literal, like, you know, teasing with sucking my dick or whatever, but like literal in the sense of like- Yeah, yeah. not okay. over the line, but but- yeah, yeah the conversations are more intimate in a way that I think is probably only good for the future of it, it is only good for sure. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I, I will say I do I do still think we've skewed and Elliot has one or two examples in his life in his work settings where we've skewed so far that like I think I've heard enough stories from enough people talking about gay men being I would say inappropriately yeah. sexual yeah and like I think like we should just just genuinely should be held to the same standards. Like I don't, you know, whenever I'm working somewhere or whatever, I don't show up and talk about my tootie ho, you know? <laughs> yeah. And like, I can, <clears throat> I can talk about guys and I can, I can, you know, I have a, a coworker right now that I really like, and we just kind of shoot the shit and gossip or whatever. And he's a straight guy and he's the, he's really great. But, um, but yeah, so like, I, I think it it's important that we, everyone be mindful and respectful of their other coworkers, you know, homophobia <laughs> aside, just, you know, of course, it, but I think in a work setting, sure. But I, I'm more talking about like these interpersonal relationships, these relationships that oh, we, sure. we have on social media. And of course, consent is paramount, regardless in any relationship, work or outside of work. But that said, these sort of interpersonal relationships that you have with people on Instagram or people, Instagram's a great one where you can connect with people, you know what I mean? And they, the, this person, this guy might be like a straight dude with a girlfriend and everything, but he also posts a lot of pictures that clearly have a queer audience and our queer intention of being getting the attention of queer men. And in a weird way, I'm like, I don't, even though it is for attention, I'm also like, get your get, you know what I mean? Like I'm not, it used to I'm bother me. And I, it, that used to bother me. And now for some reason it bothers me less. And, yeah. and it, I feel the same where I'm like the comfort with it at a certain point almost feels uh, so it almost feels like accepting and like a, a positive version of masculinity. And I was going to yeah, say, yeah. I have a, a friend who's a straight dude and he is so comfortable with his masculinity that in a way that is just, you know, he's, he's absolutely straight only, you know, only dates women wants to fuck women, but has gay friends and is just, it, he's he doesn't flinch you know the, the gay stuff doesn't even make him flinch in fact he, he he really does embrace it in in relationships with like me or other friends and it's so um it's so nice and, and it really is 
may, I don't know if that, you know, how much that relates to queer baiting because he's doing the opposite, but it's just such a show of like modernized yeah. masculinity that feels so far from homophobic well, that there's no toxicity in it. I have an example to share from this very week where you guys both know, because I've texted you both about this, I have become obsessed with a show called Court Cam. <laughs> and in this show, uh, sometimes they show clips of people in court, uh, those accused of, in this case, murder, uh, acting out and, say, trying to fight their attorney. That It's, it's, it's a courtroom brawl. Uh, television show and i googled one individuals that i saw on this show recently for a couple different reasons i won't get into and i discovered that this uh individual who was imprisoned for murder now writes um erotic fiction you know from prison that is specifically male for male and he is to my understanding not gay so he writes gay erotic fiction like by i'm sorry not gay it's like bisexual erotic fiction, and I, I it remains like the biggest shock of my life. I mean, bisexual, his, I his... get. I can see him being bisexual, but like, I wouldn't necessarily say he's straight. Because I mean, I there's queer baiting. Yeah, sure. There's being there's being open with gay dudes, and then there's like, I mean, but that brings up the question of like working in gay porn, and if they're really straight, like you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Well, but I feel like if you're writing specifically erotic <laughs> fiction, that's yeah. Same no, sex, I, I get it. You know, there's something there. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I wonder, just... I, I wonder ahead, if Alan. this I wonder if this murderer is <laughs> comfortable in his masculinity. Maybe we could have him on the podcast. <laughs> Brent would be jerking off the whole time. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> hot. He is he is very attractive. <gasps> but murder is bad. <laughs> We're done. We're done. <laughs> Not even joking. We're joined today by someone who, at lunch today, when I was having lunch, I told everyone who is going to be on the podcast, and we all collectively agreed, oh my God, we love her, Leslie Grossman. Hello, Leslie. Well, that is so nice. Would you have told that story if a few people were like, she's not for me? <laughs> I would have said it off the air. I would have said it not recorded. Okay, good to know. <laughs> Hello, how are you? I'm well, thank you for having me. This is fun. How's everyone doing? We love oh. your gla- your chunky frames. Yes. We were just <laughs> bonding over your frames and how your frames. badass. I'm having a, an eyeglasses journey right now because I want glasses like that, but because I'm okay. a person of a larger size, they don't make glasses. Oh, I know. They don't make- First of all, I have an enormous head and well, I don't believe you. I have a truly large head. Like oh. when you see me in pictures next to other people, it looks like I there's something wrong. <laughs> no, I go to so glasses. I don't, I don't buy this. And I put them on and the glasses just like, I put little glasses on and they all look like those little frames of mine where the glasses like sprout out on the sides. And I just look, <laughs> I look enormous. I look, I look like, like a banker. Like, like the Dean Winter glasses. Yes. Okay. Yeah, right. Like Dean Winter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think you're maybe judging yourself too harshly, but you know what? No. That's a personal journey. I, I wish I could say it. that, but my boyfriend said the exact same thing that I just said about myself. So like, I, I have it. a feeling it's pretty universal. Oh, Even the woman okay, that's the first we probably can't help you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, wait, let me throw out a fun, a fun fact about uh, one of the three of us real quick. Elliot once told us that he doesn't like smiling in pictures because he claims it makes his head look bigger. Yeah, it's true. Which is wildly insane. No, it might. I've never heard anything less true. No, my head is enormous and (laughs) a basketball. (laughs) 
Wait, will you show me what happens when you smile, Elliot? Like, does smile. it really look bigger? Just be normal and then smile. <laughs> smile. Smile real. This is no, no, no. no but oh, smile oh, with teeth. teeth. Okay. It does make your head look bigger. He's no, right. It, thank you. It does not. It does. Not. Yeah, it does. I saw it. Not I saw one. it happen. Thank That's you. a question. That's Sorry. a question for Leslie because Leslie, you are photographed more than we are. What, like, sure. do you yeah. when you are like getting photographed on a red carpet or whatever? Do you have a face that you give? Do you have the set red carpet face? Okay, here's my here's my red carpet face. My red carpet face is motivated by Jewish generational trauma. <laughs> and so I walk into every circumstance all, like on the verge of a panic attack at all times. <laughs> I hate it more than anything. Look, I didn't get into this business because I thought I was so gorgeous that I needed to be photographed. <laughs> like, that was not my motivation. So when something is only about what I look like, it yeah. is very uncomfortable for me and I don't like it. And I have the same stupid fucking stance. Am I allowed to swear on this? Yes, of course. Yeah. I have the same dumb stance that I do in every single picture, which people have dragged me for before. And you know what? It's so nerve wracking that I'm like, don't drag someone like the whole, like I have to do it for my work yeah. is not my comfy place. And uh, I'm just thinking to myself how I would really like this to be over as soon uh, as possible. That's what yeah. I'm thinking. So I guess I'm making a face. I don't smile with teeth yep. in red carpet photos because I think it makes me look, um, there's no nice way to say this. Like there's something wrong <laughs> with yes, me. Yes, <laughs> I know where you're going with that. Yeah, I yeah. mean, for whatever reasons we don't want to smi smile with teeth, <clears throat> I think it's perfectly, uh, I think it's perfectly legitimate. And honestly, I would agree that for me, it just, it just comes from the same generational trauma. Yeah. <laughs> the mm -hmm. same Jewish neuroses oh, where it's like, am I the smallest yeah. smile as possible? Yeah. There's uh -huh. the and I have very tiny teeth and a large head. And yeah. it's like the, the proportions are off yep. yeah. and yep. I'm not going to go get veneers. So let's just smile. Exactly. I just, I, I, I see too much meat on we, my face. We've talked about this on the podcast. I do the John, I call it the John Roberts, the chief, the chief justice, John Roberts smile. Oh God, it's a toothless, it's a tooth smile. With the mouth <laughs> open, but no teeth showing? No, no. Like, kind of oh, like this. Like, our... mm, like, like, um, <laughs> how would, how would you describe that? Uh, a dad smile. I would smile. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I do. I do that sometimes. I have two smiles that are obnoxious. It. It's either really obnoxious or I'm trying to be cool, but it can't happen. Like I'm doing the full mouth, like, <clears throat> you know oh, what I mean? Yeah, like, right, wait. right. What's, like the Bruce Leslie... Valange, the Bruce yeah. Valange. Yeah, the tell Bruce Leslie, that, tell Leslie about what, I mean, I could just tell Leslie that in high school, Alan would do, uh, from the stories we're told, yes. he would smile a huge big smile with his mouth open yeah <laughs> and i forget what the to reason hide, was well to hide the double chin because I, I have the fat kid trauma so unlike the jewish kid trauma he would just I'm go like, the big fat. yeah yes that exactly and because i was like the funny guy and like i was you know whatever it fit the persona so it worked for mm. me and now as an adult by the way i went to weight watchers camp so i have both traumas. Oh, wow you did i did i went to weight oh my god camp Leslie, for one summer I did. Just like where, what, now, where are you from originally? I'm, I'm just curious where you're. Where you're from originally? Where are you from originally? Elliot, and that's a quick Google. That could have been a. I know, but I want. But I want to ask you so we can <laughs> converse. Um, I'm just just a terrible person. Um, I am from Santa Monica, California. Right, you're from here. So I'm born in LA, born and raised in LA. So, you know, I was like chubby. And I thought that I was like a true fat person. And then I went to summer camp. I actually went with Jenny Connor. Oh, um, wow. I don't know if you know Jenny the writer. Jenny yeah. and I went together the summer after eighth grade. Wow. And we thought we were fat people. And then we got to this Weight Watchers camp and we were like, 
oh, we're from Los Angeles. That's the problem. Yes, you're you're fat, fat quote unquote fat for Los Angeles. Correct. And um, the big pickup line, like like whenever a new girl would show up, a boy would say to the new girl, "You don't need to be here." And that was like the hot pickup line. And you have to understand that this was pre body positivity. Oh, this was like deep eighties awful diet culture. Yeah. You are garbage who doesn't deserve to live unless you have a certain kind of body. And I remember that what they, t- they basically were like, if you put six packets of sweet and low on everything, it that's good. Oh, like, oh my God. Just- my mom, <laughs> that was a th- Yes. I, I come from that, like that school yep. too, where my mom, my mom somehow forced me to, to go to Weight Watchers as an oh, adult. Sure. Oh, as, yeah, a, okay. as a young adult. And I didn't realize until years later that I'm like, what the, what was I doing? Like, why was I voluntarily, what? Like, none of it makes sense. But I was so ingrained into the, that same sort of mindset um, that I, I, wait, Leslie, did you hook up? At, at this camp is that absolutely like, was that... not oh really <laughs> no like, and i got in point no and i got into big tr- no and i <laughs> i will say this i remember they took over a, a boarding school campus over the summer and there were group showers so at the Weight Watchers oh, camp, wow. there were group showers, which what? seemed especially like cruel, cruel to me that we That's all cruel. had to shower together and then i did find of course I somehow found the one kid that was selling black market candy. This is the truth. I swear to God. And he literally had like a coat and in it were pockets where he had his black market candy (laughs) that he sold for a massive markup. And I didn't understand the rules. And I told a friend of mine, I was like, hey, that dude has fucking chocolate. It's like 10 bucks a bar, but you can get chocolate. And when I tell you that he pushed me up against the wall and threatened me like a drug dealer, like a drug dealer who broke the rules. A lot of stuff happened that summer. And by the way, I just want to say that I went home. I had gained one pound. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) I was going to ask, what what are there? Was it all food based? Was it exercise? No, they made us exercise. And then. Oh my God, it was so awful. It was just all these children that didn't want to be there and were forced by their parents and were forced to do like that 80s aerobics. Yeah, and yeah. and oh then it was God. just like awful lectures about how to poison yourself with sweet and low. It was like, <sighs> take nonfat yogurt and put 85 sweet and lows in it. And that's a perfect snack for a growing child. I mean, then they made you take these awful before and after photos. Like, so you would have to get in your bathing suit for your before Oh, no. Oh. Allowed to decline. You were, I mean, this is so different than the way it is now. Like, uh, nobody would ever, like, no. ever think to talk to children about their bodies and weight like this now. Yeah. But then Never. it was like... 1986 like all rules are off like you're hideous pig children and we I must feel like you i feel like body positivity started during the pandemic like i don't feel like it ever existed before people started just I think like it definitely changed <laughs> yeah it definitely changed everything because before that i feel like everyone was like just be skinny just be skinny and that now in the pandemic it's like we love fat people i'm fat like, it was it was like an obama second term thing yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. maybe yeah. Yeah. but i do have yeah. to tell you i have a daughter who's 16 and because I grew up in LA and this is, you didn't have to grow up in LA to have this, but I had so many friends that had such severe eating disorders growing yeah. up yeah. and I was so just de- determined to never, and it, there's no reason why I didn't get an eating disorder. Like the only reason is I have a pathological fear of vomiting and I get too hungry to be anorexic. I can't, I don't have the will. Like I can't, 
to either of the <laughs> yeah. spectrums. Right. But so I've been very careful about the way that I've spoken to my daughter about her body, about food. Good. And, you know, I would just always say other people's bodies are none of our business. Yeah. You, you know, that is not something we we're concerned about. There is no food that was ever off limit. There's sometimes foods, there's everyday foods, but every, and I have to say, I think my daughter is a pretty healthy it's relationship so to food. I don't want to jinx myself. I have to admit, it's she can most- eat whatever she wants. It's the whenever she wants it. What? What's yeah? It's the most important thing. I remember I was just saying at lunch today at this lunch where we were praising you that I remember as a kid one of the biggest things that like hit me was my grandma oh. said to me all my me and my brothers were all we're all big we're a big family and my grandma said to me oh. com- she complimented me quote unquote being like well your fat at least is proportional to you whereas your brothers <laughs> it's all in the belly and I was like. <laughs> That is not the compliment. Like it's, and, 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 no. and these are normal things that were said to kids for so, so long that, that All, sticks with you throughout everybody. your life. Big, and big by the bones. way, it's not like diet culture doesn't exist anymore. It's not like it's still not a nightmare and, you know, women and culture in particular. And and by the way, it's not just obviously women, it's yeah. particularly gay men. And I know yeah. that I have yeah. so many friends that have talked about what goes on with fat phobia in the gay community yeah, and that's totally. so fucked up. But, you know, and not to mention being Jewish again, which, sorry, it's going to come up 700 more times, but Elliot, I don't know if you ever go to, to, to temple. Do you ever go to bit, synagogue? Yeah. No. So, so at most services, when you go to most services, you open by saying a bunch of prayers. And one of the prayers is you literally thank God for all the vessels of your body working right. And, you know, literally the fact that your Mm -hmm. body functions. Mm -hmm. And so that's something I really try to talk about with my daughter. Like your body is strong. It is healthy. Look what it can do. Your legs can run and you're, you know, and who cares? Everybody's like, literally everybody is different. Mm -hmm. So I feel very strongly about that because of my, but I do think it's a very, it's very different now for girls. It's still a nightmare, but oh my God. What now uh, is sort of the substitute that is toxic in its own way, but different from the 80s diet culture of it all. Well, I mean, I just, you know, this is going to make me sound like I'm 250 years old, but, <laughs> you know, fucking social media. And I think even just the existence of filters and that, you know, like, it's so funny, my daughter and her friends, here's what's so different. So, and I didn't, by the way, I don't, I just have really jumped into this conversation. I'm no, sorry, I, I, don't I love it. I'm, I'm eating it up. Well, something I think is so fascinating Literally is, this, eating it up. is that when I was growing up, I knew the kids in my grade at my school. I knew some kids that were older, a little younger and one or two kids at different schools, right? Now, because of social media, my daughter knows every single kid in her grade in all of LA County. <laughs> and then she knows Fire. the kids above her and below her. She has thousands of Instagram followers. They're just mutual, they're kids. Wow. So yeah. when I tell you public, private, it doesn't matter. Everybody now knows everybody. Yeah. And what's so crazy is what she and her friends will tell me is they'll know someone just from Instagram. They'll become friends on Snapchat or Instagram. And then sometimes they'll meet that kid in person for the first time. And they're like, you don't look like any of your pictures. I didn't recognize you because people filter themselves so much. Wow. And I I think that that is so awful. Like that whole thing of, (laughs) you know, and it it just, you know, I'm, you know, it was so funny because I was so good about limiting how much she was on this stuff until the pandemic. It's so hard to. It's so hard. My daughter was 13 years old in seventh grade when COVID shut everything down. What was I going to do? Take her phone away so you can never speak to any of your friends and you'll have no connection to anybody. So really all my rules that I put into place, I was like, we're in uh, extraordinary times. It's over. Here's your phone. Knock yourself out. I mean, what the fuck? We're all just trying to get through the day here. And not for nothing. Uh, 
her parents also decided to get divorced right at the beginning of the pandemic too. So I wasn't going to be like, you can't have your phone. You can stare (laughs) out the window and think about your parents' divorce. (laughs) Young lady. People die. Leslie, Exactly. I do have to. So one of the reasons why we freaked out about you at lunch today was because we all collectively love you from many of the things you've done, but particularly American Horror Story. I mean, that thank you like well of course and your collaborations like i there are so many seasons of american horror story that i love you specifically well you and sarah paulson but you specifically in and i know my favorite apocalypse but like what of all of the seasons is your favorite american horror story or american horror stories well it's funny because you know I always say, people ask me what my favorite Housewives franchise is. And I say, listen, I love all my babies. And so I don't <laughs> pick over babies, but there's certain babies that I do have some affection for. I love them all. Yeah. I have to say, I loved um, the first half of Red Tide. That was probably, oh, yeah. probably my favorite when I played Ursula. Yeah. And I love that. And I loved, um, you know, I got to have scenes with Macaulay Culkin and um, Lily Rabe and Finn Whitrock and, You know, it was so funny because when I did all these interviews and I was like, it was the first time I got to work with Finn and people were like, you worked with him at the end of 1984. (laughs) You had a whole scene with him where, like, and I was like, what? And just FYI, we had done like four months of nights. So by the time Finn came around our last episode, I have no recollection of that entire episode. So I literally forgot about it which was really funny, but I got to work with him in a right. more meaningful way, yeah. in a more normal way yeah. uh, in, in Red Tide. So, and I love that character and I love doing that. And I had great scenes with Angelica Ross, who I love. And mm. um, it was just a really, and you know, it was an interesting time because we were slated to go back in April of 2020. And obviously that sure. didn't happen. Everything got shut down. So we didn't go back until October. So it would have been like this six month period. And I was freaked of out. Course. I was like, well, I'm going to step I mean, don't you remember what the vibe was then? There was no vaccine yep, yet. So right. I was like, I'm going to step one toe onto that set and die. Yep. Like, I'm going to die for yeah. some dumb TV show. Yeah. But it ended up being, first of all, I never got COVID there. And it ended up being this, like, really sort of, like, safe little bubble. Yes. Oh, and so cool. I actually, we were also alienated in our lives. And I really looked forward to going to work yeah. because we were in this little world together. And it sort of like, and also because I was still recovering from my divorce and all of that. So it was sort of like it a little bit saved my life that season. So I had I'm, like, a- yeah, I've, I've never felt safer from COVID than on a TV set because <laughs> the rules have been so, are so strict yeah. and the over strict at this point. Yeah. Yes. And, and, and honestly, like it, it really works. I mean, nobody that on the shows that I've worked on, no, like nobody's gotten, I mean, there have been, of course, a couple of cases, but for the most but part, very, very few, very few. And it's hard to trace it back to, you know, the, the actual work, the workplace. It's usually Correct. elsewhere. Exactly. So uh, that's why I like that season, but I liked all of them. All of them have been so extraordinary and so like amazing. There is something really cool about what you, you in particular on the shows, but also like what, how Ryan Murphy just works. He's sort of found that perfect balance between like soap opera camp and like queerness. And those mm-hmm. combinations are like the perfect combination where, like, I always say this, like about like, you know, shows like Queer as Folk and other queer shows that are out there, they're great and everything, but they don't recognize the need for that, like, the campness of it and and the importance of, I think, straight women in queer people's lives and how they exist and how they're literally an integrated part of who we are and our comedy in a lot of ways. Do you, like, have you gotten that reaction from people watching the show that, like, you've kind of become a little bit of a queer camp icon? A little bit. Are well, you kidding? Well, excuse me. Um, I didn't magazine say- did name me a, a, 
a gay icon. So uh, I can send you the article. So I think you later. you've been bo- I think you've been a bona fide icon, especially since popular was well, became a cult hit. Kind. Um, you know, I have to say that. You know, I would have. I don't even know what my life would be if it wasn't for like queer culture. Mm. Gay men in particular, although I love a lesbian too. Don't get me wrong. Well, we're going to talk about all. Sarah Paulson in a Same. second. So just give love me. everybody. Just but, there, but honestly, you know, I think, you know, the thing that I'm so proud of, particularly about Popular, is that so many, because that show was geared at like very, very young kids. Right. And so many people have told me, like, I didn't understand. I didn't know I was gay, but th- there was something in that sensibility that I was like, ooh, I, that resonates with me. I feel, why am I drawn to this? Why is this something that that feels like home to me? Yeah. And so the fact that I would have even like the tiniest part of that journey for somebody is incredibly gratifying. And um, I do think there's like, a, obviously, I mean, this is the oldest topic in the world, but there's a very special synergy that happens in particular with gay men and straight women. And yeah. um, I mean, I just know for me, like, it's just been the basis of my career. It's been the basis of my my deepest friendships. Um, you know, I, I don't even know what my life would be without that connection. It wouldn't Did- be, it, I just wouldn't, I. it's where I feel seen and understood and gotten. You know what I mean? There's like you this- You started this about so- your glasses. Of course, you get it. Like we get each other. You know what I mean? <laughs> Of course. That and something this is that, from the time I was a very young child. Yeah. I was going to say was like growing up in LA and, you know, entering the business young was that, uh, I wasn't young, was it, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> well, was it even a presence th- then? Or was it a presence even when you were young? I mean, Always. talking about like open, openly gay so, people and culture. You know, my parents are incredibly progressive. Right. And so, and, and very politically active and motivated. So um, we were always very involved in like local politics, national politics. And so, you know, we always had a lot of very interesting people in our house. But my mother went back to school when I was eight years old to become a landscape architect. Mm. And in those, she would have study groups at the house. And so she would have these brilliant people that would come over that were majority gay men. Mm. And there was one man in particular who I loved and adored, who was just like, and I was, you know, I had a lot to say as a child. <laughs> so, and you know, that could be annoying to some people. And he was always like, come here. What's going on with you? I'm obsessed. Let's get into all of it. And he like, you know, this term is so overused now, but I felt incredibly seen by him, you know, and he ended up, unfortunately, he died mm. of AIDS. Right. And when I was probably, I guess I was maybe 14 and that was a seminal moment in my life, seminal. Yeah. And then I went to Crossroads, which is a school in Santa Monica. And there was a man there named Steve Morgan. He's the one that interviewed me when I got into Crossroads. And he was the beloved director of the school. Steve Morgan died of AIDS. Mm. He was an, and he was an out gay man when we were young, mm. you know, in, in LA. And I'm sorry, I don't mean to connect no. uh, <laughs> queerness. <and> being <laughs> no, no of course. That, that, that's what I'm that, asking. But the truth is this was in the 80s. Right. And so this is what was happening, right? Yeah. And so that was something that was very, like, in the forefront of my life. And it deeply affected me. Um, and then I, of course, in high school. And by the way, even at Crossroads in the 80s, you weren't, people were not out no, and gay. People were not. still hiding it. And it was so funny because I had this one friend who I would hang out with. We would, I would like sneak into gay bars when I was in high school 
And I remember this very popular girl and I'm not going to say her name, <sighs> but I want to tell you so bad a detail about her car. But if I say <laughs> it, then she'll know I'm talking about her. If she hears she, she's not I'm just going to tell you that she had a Volkswagen Scirocco and her license plate said Scirocken. <laughs> it was important. It was important. Okay. That's important. Anyway, she was like, a, you know, whatever. She was like a girl I knew, you know, and yeah. I just remember she came up to me and said, Hey, I heard you hang out with fags on the weekends. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, like that was so crazy to me. And I promise you not three years later, she was probably talking about my gays. You know, mm -hmm. I promise oh, you she was doing that. Right. but this was still like the, you know, when I graduated high school in 1989, I, you know, I'd like to date myself. So this was still very like, taboo like people yeah. didn't talk about it openly in many ways so to me it's sort of a part of the fabric of who I am and was woven into my life from the time I was a little kid and you know something that that I always my mom used to always joke if there's a thousand people in the room and there's you and one gay man you will sniff each other out <laughs> like, <laughs> and I, I have oh I have always been intrigued when I hear these stories Elliot you've talked about uh, Howard Stern's mom was Yes. Very progressive, very pro-gay rights, despite, yes. you know, prob this probably would have been in the 50s, uh, you know, obviously predating all of us by a lot. But like, I just find it fascinating, like those those families, because I think my parents, I know my parents are very liberal, but I, they might have had like a couple gay friends in college, I think. But like, they didn't have like gay friends when we were kids. Yeah. And so I'm just always Where did fascinated. you grow up? I grew up in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Which I mean, is super Arbor, liberal. That's very yeah. liberal. I thought, I mean, that maybe you're some small town, but that is pretty liberal. But I do think, and again, not to mention being Jewish again, but there's a, very, on. there's a very specific kind of Jewish person who is very focused on the fact that as a people who have been so horribly discriminated against, yeah. it is absolutely our jobs to protect other people yeah. because you know it's that it's this idea of what's called tikkun olam you heal yourself you heal the world that you must look out for each other and that was a very i always i mean the the temples that i went to and that my daughter go that we sent my daughter to these are very progressive yeah. jewish spaces and so the the point is like we, you know come on like we must protect everybody because we're so terribly treated no. how could you not extend that same belief to other people so i i do but look and there's a there's every look there's many jews that are complete trumpers and right, right, super right. politically and personally conservative i just ne like that was not my people that was right. not my family maybe it's because yeah. i grew up in los angeles in west la and that yeah. was sort of the way it was but I don't know. I think there it's a is, real gift that you give your children. There is also kind of a difference, I think, between I think a lot of people experience this where people who lived in Los Angeles or New York or San Francisco, if they're right. if they were straight and they were liberal, they were already pretty used to being around queer people. And it was it was correct. Queer people could be out in these cities where in the smaller cities like I'm from St. Louis, they were the, the only person you really knew was the hairdresser. Like people were in deeply in yeah. the closet. And so when AIDS happened, it really became sort of this moment of like people in urban cities had to be the ones to sort of like open up the conversation so that everyone else in the country could start talking about it. You know, it's absolutely, it's sort of, it's I just, I just had a, <laughs> I just had a me bizarre memory flash when you said that of being in high school, yeah. getting my tips frosted. Yes. Uh -huh. By my, um, by my hairstylist who was like a super gay guy and him saying, uh -huh. Something about saying like saying like you're being a real stick in the mud. 
And I was like, oh my God. Elliot, I always oh wanted God. chips, but my mother, I was done. And I was so faggy. I was like out after, at like four years old. I mean, everyone knew oh, I was a walking my pride dream. My but dream as a child, to have a child like that. God damn. I wanted tips so badly. I wanted frosted tips and long hair. My mother said I couldn't have it because I already have a fat face. And I was like, she's not wrong. Do you remember, Elliot? I mean, I'm older than you, but when I was like in junior high, people would put a cap on their head and then pull the hair out of little holes yes. in the cap. Yes. Yes. And then that's how they would like frost really? their hair. That's how yeah, I did it, it in rough. college. That's how I did it in college. Ooh, I had yeah. I had bleached my yeah. hair and then I put the cap in my head and I pulled them out to put little yeah. red strands so I could have like red blonde yeah. going on. Yeah. Uh -huh. Wow. Yeah. I do it was not a good that. look. It was, no. it was, you know what it was? We call that tough stuff. Tough stuff. <laughs> it wasn't great. I do have to ask you the one thing we have to okay. get before you go is you are my, I don't really watch, watch what happens live all that often, but if you or Sarah Paulson are on, I will literally, it's like appointment <laughs> television for me. It's like friends at this point for me. It's like, I have to okay. watch it. You, what, like, well, A, what do you think it is about? Cause you're, the, you and Sarah's friendship is definitely friendship goals. And like, Oh, that's so nice. You two together are perfect. What is it about her that you think is like such a good partnership, even acting and just in general on television? And then also I need to ask you about the housewives because I have questions. Please, that's fine. Um, well, I mean, Sarah is talented in a way that is like unbelievable. Yeah, she's but it also has yes, it's it's not normal. Yeah. It's like a very incredible talent that, you know, it's amazing. But at the same time, she doesn't take herself too seriously yeah. and has a wonderful sense of humor about herself. And so that combination is super rare and like a real joy to be around. And, you know, she's just so good. It's she's so good. Yeah. Like, it's unbelievable to see someone like to read a scene and then see their take on it. And you're like, I, I don't know how to do that. <laughs> She's like an artist. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. they just know how to do that. And also what I also think is so amazing about her is, I mean, look, she, she puts in the work. It's not like she ain't phoned it in, but she also doesn't torture herself. So she can, you know, have a take where she has to be hysterically crying. And then literally as soon as they say cut, she's like, are we going to get pizza? That's why, that is, that genuinely is like, a, it's like an alien concept. When somebody is that talented yes. at acting, you yeah. know, it really does become, it is an alien concept that they're able to like morph, you know, not just act, but like morph. I, it's really, it's still, you know, a, a talent that blows me away. She's the best actor. Too, I interviewed her for a film, I forget when, but it was before the Linda Tripp, you know, the whole American, American mm. crime story film came out with her playing Linda Tripp. And I told, we were bonding over postcards from the edge. Cause that's how much I love that movie. Oh, come on. One yeah. of the best. It twirled up. It's where, yeah. I mean, I'll send you the Instagram that I posted of that clip. It's like, it's the moment for me anyway. And then I was freaking out about her playing Linda Tripp and she, in most celebrity interviews. And I mean, you can relate to this. Let's see that like you, there's guard, like you're guarded. So it's hard to like really get in there. I, I'm I mean, well aware of where I am on the celebrity totem pole. I'm not that guarded. No, but I Go was waiting to see, and she was. She didn't want to show. She wasn't on Zoom. She wasn't showing her face because she was in the makeup test for Linda Tripp and all this. Oh yeah, yeah. But then she treated me, and she turned on the Zoom, and she showed me the the That's little so pictures great. of her as Linda Tripp, and it's just the coolest yeah. thing for someone to do that she didn't even need to do for just like a little faggy kid basically freaking out. Oh stop! I, I was well, when she would FaceTime me, and I would answer, and it would be she'd be in full Linda regalia. It was like, oh, like, wow. like it didn't because there. There's no, I didn't see her face in that yeah. face. I was like, yeah. where are you? It's like, it's your voice right now, but it's Insane. not you. Unbelievable. I mean, that was also the work. 
that she did as Linda. I mean, that is just yeah. to me off the charts, insane, um, unbelievable. Also, Annalie Ashford in mm, in yes. that crime story as what's her face? How can I not think of her name right now? Uh, uh, oh God! Hello. Oh, oh God! The one that had the affair with Bill Clinton. Yeah. Monica, 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 no, the one before that. The one before that. Who? The first one. Oh, Jennifer Flowers. No, no before, Paula. Jennifer Paula, Paula Jones. Paula Jones. Paula, Cole. And Paula she Jones. Would this, she would do this thing. <laughs> Annalyn McCord was so freaking good. And she yeah. would go like this. Um, no, it's Annalie Ashford. Annalyn McCord is, is, was on 90210. That's a different actress. <laughs> Annalie Ashford. Just edit this out. From so Gigolos. From Gigolos. <laughs> right. So, correct. Yeah. She would say this thing as this character. And she would say, um, as this person. I'm sorry. I can't speak on that. I just can't speak on that. <laughs> and the way she did it, like, I literally was like, I watched it over and over and over again. God, that performance. I just, I just had to say that. I'm sorry, I can't speak on that. Well, okay. The, um, last, thing, the, la the yes. last thing I want to ask you, and before you go, is what okay. housewife? Sorry, I, I talked so much. I took no. this over. And I, I literally I had a podcast. <laughs> I texted the guys. Want, I was like, want you we need to, to let Leslie go that. as long as she wants. There's no cutting her off. Yeah, um, while, while we love it. If you, last question, if you could play any because you're in a you're a housewives obsessive like myself if you, mm -hmm. could, if you could perform play in a ryan murphy like american yeah. crime story version of the housewives if you could play any housewife which one would you play oh my god this is that's hard journalism right there mm -hmm. <laughs> do you feel like you'd have to go with the a, a, a Beverly Hills or Orange County because you're from California and you can understand that? Or does that not apply here? To, She's an actress, your... Elliot. I know, that's what I mean. I mean, I have to tell you, are you watching Jersey currently? Yes, I am. Elliot, okay, watch it. So <laughs> I hate, I think, I'm sorry. I don't. I don't want to step on her if you like her, but I think Teresa yeah. Medici is... A horrible person. Yes, correct. I, I, and I just don't like the idea. And I want to go to the mall with her. Sort of validated for being a. I mean, I yes. know I, I understand how housewives work, but she gets validated for being a horrible person, and I, ugh, I just I, she's she I can't. She there's just there's new women on this year. Yes. And first of all, I love Dolores Catania more I, than anything. That's when I when I watched I Jersey, I liked Do Dolores a lot. Yeah, no, but there's a new crop of women, and what's happened is about the New Jersey housewives in particular, but it's really all housewives now. And it's so upsetting to me that, you know, first of all, I think these are the bravest women on the face of the planet. <laughs> I really do. I mean, I admire them in ways I can't even tell you. Oh my God. So the, to put yourself out there yeah. in this current culture with social media, where people are like, you deserve to die, you fucking <laughs> ugly cunt. Like that's all you're getting all day long, right? Yeah. And it's not a character. It's you. It's yeah. your face. It's yeah. your life. Yeah. So the, the the fact that they can endure this kind of abuse, I wouldn't last for fifteen <laughs> seconds. I would literally. But that's fall because you're. But that's because you're normal. Yeah. Like True. that's because you're not normal. normal, right? And they're, they're not, not normal. normal. Yeah. But they won't let you film in the same. But but like what's happened with the housewives, and I'm sorry. I know you asked me who I'd want to play, but first I just have to say this: that something has happened now where you are not allowed to look like a normal human being any longer. No, you, is, and the only women who yeah. still look normal actually are New York. The New this York is, women. Yeah. No, this is why I stopped watching. I, I, I gave up on these shows a while ago because they look. No, no, but you have to watch New Jersey because what's happened is <laughs> it's like, I can't like, it's they all, look, okay. So they all look like a, like a, the like same AI. mass. They're AI creators. But I mean, 
but I mean, top to tip, everything <laughs> has been fucked with now. <laughs> everything. Have you seen? I don't even mean. Oh, I got a nose job. No, this is like. This is, I am now unrecognizable from whatever I once was and that you cannot be in front of a camera now unless you've done this to yourself. And it's so dark to me, but also I feel like I'm an anthropologist and I'm watching about a tribe that's totally like, has their own set of rules and language and physical um, uh, body modification that's for their, so that I find fascinating. Um, It is. I mean, I would like to play a Jersey housewife because I do think they're like bigger than life and there's no subtlety there. Yeah. I mean, obviously it would be very fun to do a version of Dorit, you know, and like have that very specific way of talking. That would be fun. Um, You know, I also know, well, I could play, I know from Connecticut, I could play the hell out of a Vicky Gonvalson. I really could. I know. She's She's Orange County, right? Yeah. She's Orange. She's the original. She's the OCOG baby. Oh, wow. It would be so and she good. She won't let you forget it. It would be so good. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I, so I, I, yeah. No, I was going to well, say. Well, like, here's to, the problem. Sorry, Elliot, you go. No, I was going to say to your point, like the fact that they are these, they're, they're, they look the same. There's this anthropomorphic bizarreness yes. to them. To me, I kind of gave up because I, I, I still love the creaky early seasons yes. of New York because they looked like people like Free, they would glam, wear like squad, pre- and that. Also, yes. What happens is now people are seeing themselves in like 4k and yeah. when you see yourself in 4k, like you, you, you want to hide under a rock. So it's like, it's just, you know, and now, and now everybody knows the game in the beginning. No one knew the game. So now everyone That's knows right. you got to come in with the stylist. you got to come in with the glam squad. you got to come in with all this Which stuff. Which I don't like. I want to see, not the same. I, I love early reality shows about airports and even, yeah. the, yeah. you know, Real Housewives were in, in New York. It's like Luann <laughs> wearing like square cut, like yes. square cut Carol blouses Manzo. and like that. Yeah. Yes. Oh, Carol Manzo. But you know what's amazing? Like Luann still looks the same. Yeah. Like, no, Luann, I don't fuck with her face. Like. No. She looks the same. Most of those women, I mean, look, they've done little, sure. like Sonia. Yeah. Sonia's just a better version of herself. She still looks like Sonia. It's not yeah. weird. Yeah. Like You could do a Ramona. Always, always, I would like to see you do a Ramona. Yeah, you know what's unfortunate about me? And this is something I understand about myself in general. And I don't know why this is, but I know that I'm very good at playing Karens. Like I get it and it's very upsetting. And Ramona is a Karen, oh, so I'd be good at it. Karen. Like I understand that Marjorie Taylor Greene, like I'm a great choice to play her. I get that. Yeah. I know that about myself. It's rough. It's rough. It's not, it doesn't make me feel good about myself, but I know I'm like, fuck, I could do a really good job playing her. And it's funny because I am so the diametric well, opposite. Also, of she all would be women, so but... mad if a Jewish person played. Oh my God. Yes. So do so it, Leslie. Mad. Oh my God. <laughs> Leslie, I only you have want been... a Christian woman to play her. That's yeah. true. That'd oh, be yeah. tough for her. Yeah. God, well, I, well, I would, I would still happen. watch that as long as no money went to her for the portrayal. Yeah. <laughs> no I life rights. That's true. But, Leslie... but that moment where she showed up at the State of the Union in that oh, coat, man, she's, she's not a monster. playing around. She's really a monster. No, no, but like a, but it's like if vomit was sentient that's her (laughs) if diarrhea was a person that's her (laughs) covered in fur yeah um oh my god leslie thank you so much for being here i took over this podcast no we could we could just talk forever and ever (laughs) you're you're just delightful Um, did you have any other questions that i didn't permit you to answer because i I just started looking at you i got so excited no we literally got to all the questions we wanted to ask at least 
on our Google Doc. So yeah. Um, All right. Where shall this people so where should people follow you if you want them to be to, to follow you? You can follow me on Instagram at Leslie Grossman. I don't fuck with Twitter anymore because it's a hellscape. Yeah, it's too scary. Um, it's too scary. Uh, and I think that's it. Yeah. yeah. Okay, no, All right. Lastly, we'll check your IMDb and just go through it from beginning to end. Yeah. And you, there's yeah. a lot to watch. Watch so the I new season of American Horror Story because you're in it. You guys are so <laughs> fun. You Thank you oh, for thanks. having Thank me. Thank you so much, Leslie. And another thing. Everyone, just a reminder, as always, please join our Patreon if you want to hear an extra conversation from us every week. In fact, this very week, I was sternly lectured by Mr. Elliot Wexler Plazer for asking him about his trip to Iceland. So if you would like to hear one of my dearest friends in the world get mad at me, then feel free to join. It's fun. No, it's a fun little extra dose of us in the week that you get on like Tuesdays or Wednesdays. And like, it's chill. It's fun. It's less than most of your OnlyFan accounts. Like, go have a little fun with us. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. All right, Elliot, you start start off this, finish off this segment, I should say. Yeah, I was wondering what I, I I'd seen home video of myself recently, like from uh when I was uh, God, I don't know, ten or eleven, mm-hmm. and I was in um a, in a performance of Annie at my summer camp. And there's just one moment where I'm singing some song, playing uh, the like the the criminal rooster. I don't remember who plays him in the movie, but anyway, it's me and this like portly gal playing like husband and mm-hmm. wife, and it's really cute and funny. And we couldn't look um, less interested in each other. And then there's just one moment where I did a dance move that was like the gay the most like the gayest and like most feminine yeah thing i may have ever done I, I do want to see this clip now but continue. i know i'll get it for you but yeah i was trying to think what is the most like masculine i've ever felt and what is the most feminine i've ever felt um and so i think i mean at least as a as an adult i, I you know the the most masculine i've felt <laughs> is probably like the <laughs> Being at sea? Being at sea, did you say? Being at sea, yeah. Um, What do you mean? Like when you're on a cruise ship? Just like, like, like when I'm at sea, like when I'm like, oh, at sea. Like when when you go like on a whale watching excursion or something. No, no, no. Feel like a sailor. No, when I go like kayaking or paddle boarding. right. You kayak like almost every weekend in the I don't know if that's. I feel like any fisherman, if they heard you say at sea on a kayak, <laughs> they would probably be like this faggot. <laughs> that is actually very fun. It's a very, very I good guess, observation. I guess like my my like beach beach at, at sports, kite surfing, yeah, kayaking, paddle boarding. I'm not a surfer, but I'm doing because I but having Moses there makes you feel more masculine. <laughs> um. No, that well, yeah, in a way that just makes me feel like more of a lesbian. Like, do you wear having my dog with me? Do you wear your life vest now when you go out, or is it? It's no. still <laughs> Moses wears a life vest. Wait, I wait. will not wear a life but vest. But it's, it's, it's in the vessel. It's just not on you. Yeah, yeah, but I can swim. Like, what do I? I'm in a marine. It's in a marina. It's not the beach. Yeah, I'm not worried <laughs> about you drowning until you do, and then I'll worry. But what, like, what was that? The moment when you were a kid when you felt most feminine. I think so. Yeah, I think so. And and now I think as an adult, like there was one time when Michael 
and you and Michael were like really insistent on me trying on a wig. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> like a long red wig. And I was like, huh, like it's, it's interesting. Cause I'm just, I put it on and it was like heavy and hot. Just, I did, I was like, it's heavy and, and hot. And I'm like, God, there's no part of me that's like itching in this moment to that's like what's so interesting about femininity. Mm -hmm. That's what's so interesting about you and Brent that I've always noticed. Because I feel like of the three of us, I'm definitely the more feminine. And, uh, and oh, yeah. I mean, you know, <laughs> am I wrong? Am I wrong? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, I'm kidding. And one of the things that I've always noticed is that, and which I never thought would be the case when we first met, Brent is the most comfortable with feminine things and being around feminine things like he's comfortable with jokingly put on a pair of heels like at when we were at the halloween thing and he wanted to wear my heels or like putting on yeah. a wig or like but also in in serious ways too of like i remember one of the one of the moments that i was like brent is a friend for life is when he we went to nowhere bar this was years ago in new york we went to mm -hmm. nowhere bar and i don't know what year it was probably 2009 and you had made fun of someone because they like did something to us like they were annoying to us i forget what what they did but then you notice that they had like cerebral palsy and you got so emotional because you felt bad yeah. about offending, yeah. uh, possibly offending this person. And I didn't know if you knew that my brother had cerebral palsy, but I was just like, that's the person I want in my life. Like that's Brent's a softy. Yeah. Oh, Brent is yeah. a very yeah. soft, a sweet, sweet emotionally uh, vulnerable person who, who has deep, whose who's emotional abilities and run deep. And I'm um, not saying that that stern face. I'm not saying that that emotional sort of uh, core is necessarily feminine because emotions are not masculine or feminine. But being able to be in touch with that is something mm -hmm. that is often credited to more feminine, which I think is a really thing that yeah. more men need to be able to be in touch with. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Have you? Sure. Do you ever felt more more feminine than when you do drag? Um. Well, yeah. it's it. Yeah. Yeah. Can make it clear. Me, not Brent. I had to clarify that that was for Al. <laughs> yeah, you, Brent, Brent, you, don't, I have done you drag did drag. Once. Brent's not that feminine. And I have, I have made the in... offer. If Alan wants, I will do Orinoco Hell with one. Oh my God, I would love it. The funny thing is I've always felt very feminine. And there was a period where I tried very hard to be masculine. And it doesn't work for me. I don't understand it. Like my version of what masculinity is. Because we have to also credit that like, these things are not, there's no definitions of masculine or feminine or anything. No, it's like, of course not. My stereotypical definition of when when I feel masculine is the most uncomfortable space for me. And I remember the, well, I remember the most feminine I ever felt and the most sort of like in touch with sort of like who I wanted to be, I think, was at Golden Con last year when we went to the Golden Girls Con and I was wearing the gold dress oh. with this beautiful red hair and I had like, and everything worked. Everything looked good. Everything, like the full package was like, solid and on and i was able to communicate and like be authentically myself in a funny interesting engaging way without mm -hmm. being lost in thought about what people thought of me or but like what i was mm -hmm. wearing or how fat i was or how whatever it is like i wasn't there was no space in my mind where i was doubting myself or any aspect of myself i was fully and authentically present oh and wow that, that's great i was like i credit that as like a moment of when i knew sort of like who I am, but the most masculine maybe, I ever felt. Maybe, maybe being half a continent away from me, Alan, that's, yeah. that's why, that's yeah. why you felt so bad, yeah. I don't know. The most masculine I ever felt was um, 
when the, and the most uncomfortable, I think, was I was on the subway here in Los Angeles and I had just grown a beard for the first time in my life. Like I'd never really had a beard before. And because I never really liked him. And I was like, I'll give this a try. And I some guy, <laughs> presumably a straight guy, was like, like flirting with me. Like he was like, because I there was something he was giving me something. There was some weird connection we were having. And and he was putting it on strong. And I felt so uncomfortable because my presentation was masculine and he was responding to that and I didn't like it. Like I- it, Oh, he was trying to like be a bro with you. No, he mean. was, there was a sexual component to it. Like there was flirting involved huh. but in a very masculine, beardy sort of like way that like I did not know how to respond to. And it made me yeah. so uncomfortable. Sounds a little weird. But yeah, but it was but I, I experienced that a lot whenever I had the stereotypical beard or like I was I was dressing in the way that like guys in East Los Angeles were dressing and stuff like I was trying to fit yeah. it in a crowd of Akbar et cetera here and it just made me feel and I was also like drastically skinny to the point where I was only eating like cauliflower rice and like eggs for like a year and. I was, oh, I remember your emo phase, Alan. And I was, I but, it, but it wasn't just emo. It was like clinical bad depression slash like yeah. eating disorder. I mean, it's more than yeah. just And right. I was doing it in an effort to be masculine. I had this whole thing. And then, of course, for the movie, mm -hmm. I had to keep the beard because of the movie. It was like a contract thing. And I just, so I was sort of trapped in this like masculine prison for like a year. And it, it really, yeah. really fucked with my head. Really fucked with my head. Mm. Hmm, interesting. I don't remember your beard that that vividly though. I always picture you as kind of clear shaven. From the start of the podcast, the clean there's shaven. a beard. There's yeah. a beard in the podcast logo. Ah, oh. that's oh, true. That's so, yeah, that's yeah. Well, I think you look great in a beard, Alan. What about you, Brian? Um, you know, this was tough because I I do feel like I have always sort of felt comfortable in my masculinity to a certain degree. So I look. We, we just got a I. I, Alan, Ellie, and I got a text from a good friend of ours, uh, old old uh, old guest on the podcast, David Smithyman, who uh, we went to his house for a Christmas party, and he was saying that um, these people that I met were uh, when they found out I was gay, you know, what th two months later, they were astonished, <laughs> right. and I'm always a little tickled whenever I hear something <laughs> like that. I'm always like, thank you, but I also I do remember in like late high school or like early college uh very much kind of feeling like i at one point i dyed my hair i had i didn't have frosted tips i just had like a brown mushroom top <laughs> um and i remember wearing a lot of pink in college your pink phase i, I had my pink phase um, and then I remember visiting a friend freshman year of college at for spring break i visited her and like she was like, we want to put you in makeup. And I was like, yeah, sure, let's do that. And so she's, <laughs> I got like, I don't think I put a dress on, but she like did my my whole like, she did makeup for me. This was at Smith College, by the way. Um, <laughs> so and, you already and I, remember, I remember thinking that was like kind of fun. Like I thought it was like kind of fun or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, so I've, I've definitely had, you know, some You've also some done some drag, like, you did an amazing video as Susan Sontag uh, last year in like, like on part, like on it drag. Like it's not, yeah. it's real. Like 
between so Elfman and Michael's handiwork and your performance, it's real drag. Yeah. But it's it great. It would be fun to put you in like, because I mean, it is, you're right. It is a, it is a form of drag. Although I would say it's more character sketch driven than yes, drag. But yeah. Still, yeah, 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 for sure. And that would sure. be so fun to like get both of you in real drag. What's funny is that obviously like I've thought about it because you know, at, I feel like every gay guy at some point asks themselves, like, not what would I be as a drag queen, but like in my most feminine, comfortable moment, like what would that look like? And I've thought about it and I'm like, it sound, it just seems uncomfortable. And genuinely the idea of putting on, I hate wearing makeup when I'm acting. Yeah. I hate it so much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it just seems like the worst like an actual punishment Mm -hmm. but i mean at this point i'm like now that i've seen a few drag queens with beards i'm like maybe i will let michael and alan be up yeah yeah something at some point not for like public consumption but for you guys well for the podcast we could do a photo we could do a photo it'll be fun it's a great idea i can do orban alcohol and you can do diary and frank <laughs> diarrhea <laughs> diarrhea and frank although i think i did think of a new drag name that's not i don't know if it's particular well i guess it's kind of funny it's lois common denominator <laughs> <laughs> so she's an Ita- she's like a, maybe like an italian mathematician <laughs> i guess it's more greek <laughs> What would, what would your, your aunt, aunt say? say? Right. What would your Aunt Ramona say about something she heard on today's show? You're forgetting about another moment of femininity you had every time you visited me as a kid. <laughs> <laughs> My Aunt Joanne would say, all hail Leslie Grossman. She's the best guest you ever had. <laughs> great. Leslie, we love awesome. Jewish guests. We, <laughs> we do. do. We do. How about Aunt Anne? Uh, my aunt Anne would say the most masculine I've ever felt was when I wore shoulder pads. <laughs> <laughs> was like oh, the that's 80s, so like, oh, that's like, great. She would wear, so I feel like she would wear double shoulder pads on looks and her shoulders would be like up to here. Yeah. 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 yeah they're, shoulder they're pads are, they're honestly so cool. Like, so I love cool. that look. I love it in drag. And they also work in like, like, you can put it in your wig to give yourself a little bump, and you can also put it in like your side. Like shoulder pads are the gift that keeps on giving. Good to know. Yeah. Very good to know. The end. We're being quiet now. That's all it's ending. <laughs> that was great. The end. Ooh.